You're listening to Solving for B, the podcast where we chart a course through the inner workings of branding and marketing. In this week's episode, we'll take a look at how brands are affected by stress in the wake of brand crises. To help frame this topic, we'll refer to specific issues faced by United Airlines. So settle in and enjoy the latest episode of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Solving for B podcast with Brand Extract. Uh, today I'm joined by Chairman Jonathan Fisher. Good morning. Brand Strategist Elizabeth Tyndall. Hi there. And Brand Strategist Leslie Rainwater. Hello. Thanks for taking the time out today, guys. Um, well, t- today we're going to talk about how crisis and stress can impact your brand and what you can do to minimize that impact uh, or even in some instances use that stress to make your brand better. Uh, so in preparation for this episode, uh, we kind of went through a few brands that have had a tumultuous year uh, just to, fam- to familiarize ourselves with what sort of situations can have a negative impact on a brand. Uh, we thought about brands like Uber, Nike, Toys R Us, uh, but one that stood out to, to us, I think, uh, since you know we travel a fair amount, and I personally have been traveling a fair amount lately, uh, was United Airlines. Uh, they've had a, a pretty rough year uh, between having you know, a young child overheat on the tarmac, uh, multiple mishaps with pets, and even uh, an incident with a, with a passenger uh, that's been forcibly removed from an airplane. Um, so these are obviously situations that can have a detrimental effect uh, on a brand. Uh, so the question is, is, how does this ultimately affect their brand and perception? Well, I think, you know, with any, with any brand crisis, the opportunity exists to rise above it or to uh, effectively perpetuate it or even make it worse, right, <laughs> uh, based on how the, the executives react to it, the communications that they put out. And so in the case of somebody like United, you know, they, they did not do a great job of handling their the crisis you know they 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 would put out conflicting reports you know ceo steps out and says oh you know this is this is terrible we're going to take care of it and then you know then he like hours later sends a letter yeah the realization almost almost contradicting the statements that he had made publicly right so it's it's a case of you know poor planning and you know by one report um that i saw their stock price you know took a hit about 180 million dollars right you know, right after the crisis. Now, stocks did rebound and, and they climbed back up. And and then actually the travel ban was, I think, probably the biggest hit to their stock reports <laughs> in their organization. But, you know, not all organizations are going to recover so quickly from the from that process. So I think, you know, it erodes consumer confidence, it erodes trust, it causes delays in purchasing. It may, it may make an enemy of the consumer for life even, you know, depending upon... Um, you know, that crisis. I, I personally had a lot of issues with, you know, Exxon, you know, years ago after um, the, the Valdez spill, right, and the way that was handled. That was very upsetting to me in, in some cases, right? So it's a long time before I bought gas again from them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned, like, some people look at that, like, you know, you see a video of a, a man being forcibly dragged off of an airplane, and, and, you know, you can make a decision right then and there that I'm, I'm never going to fly there. Not that you fear it happens to you, but you're going to take kind of a stance against that. So, um, so anyway, it's, it sounds like that um, part, of, part of the issue, you mentioned the, the response, the immediate response after something like that was um, some contradictory statements, some, you know, some lack of uh, cohesion in messaging. Um, it speaks to a lack of, of crisis planning. Uh, why is 
you know, crisis communication is important for a brand? Well, um, it's actually where the rubber meets the road, right? So when you have your promises and your positioning, um, there's a couple of ways that you judge people by their service. First of all, are they providing great service? And secondly, how do they fix problems, you know, when they do occur? So to really keep that in mind and understand what the how valuable and how important the perception is, um, you know, it's a question of it, trying to foresee those things. Like, for instance, United, there really needed to be a crisis plan in place or a way that people understood if something like this happens, people are going to overbook, but, you know, all airlines do that. How do we handle that, you know, in a case where we, we are overbooked, people don't want to get off? What are we empowered to do and what are all the creative ways we can do it? So it's really thinking that through um, and getting all the scenarios that you can do and understanding that this is super important. It's as important as how you offer service. This is how you handle crisis. I think this. I think the strength of a brand is really tested in times of crisis, right? So I think Leslie hit it on the, on the head there, which is how do you correct the issue? Because issues are going to come up. I mean, there's going to be manufacturing defects, product recalls, whatever it might be. You know, in the case of car dealerships, they often see a lot of that. Um, but it's it's how does the organization, you know, fix their mistake? We we understand the, the expression, you know, we're all human, we all make mistakes. So I think it's it's that that action of correction that has the opportunity to build the brand even twofold, right? So if if if, if I'm so enamored with how you fixed my issue, whether it's my cable going out, inaccuracies in my in my in my billing, whatever it might be, right? Then I, I'm going to become that much more, you know, endeared to the organization. Right. And I think it even goes back to, you know, how aligned and how strong is the brand to begin with and aligned with their values, which really guides the behavior of the organization. So, you know, if the brand is not continually reinforcing their values, having, you know, proactive plans like Leslie mentioned of how to address and how to behave in the marketplace, whether it's good or bad, um, and constantly reinforcing that and training that at all levels of the organization, you're going to have misalignment and may not be as prepared or act, you know, as the throughout the company as you would like everyone to to uphold that brand and those values. I think part of that, you know, when it talks about communicating values, I think about the lack of communication sometimes that organizations put out on their values. Right? I think often they're just a poster in the break room for some people. You know, and and they don't they don't live them every day, and and they don't talk about them every day, and they don't communicate them every day. You know, my father was a victim of the Wells Fargo you know credit uh, fiascos mm-hmm. that they were just you know robo opening people's credits, right? So then months later, even after he passes, we we get a check in the mail from Wells Fargo saying, oh, you know, we're sorry, nice little letter, we apologize. Here's your two hundred bucks, whatever it is, you know, uh, <laughs> for your report. But then I go to Wells Fargo branches and I try to catch it, cash the check, because he's no longer living. He, there is no account you can put it against, and they won't cash their own check. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Well, it's something, it's something like that. That's and we we touched on a little earlier is that some of these problems, some of these issues, some of these crises, so to speak, are. Um, are foreseeable. So there's really, it doesn't seem like there's an excuse for, for not knowing how to handle it. They, you would think they would have said, we're sending all these rebate checks out, expect people to come in, you know, and cash them. Don't give them any issues. Don't give them any hassles. Be apologetic during the process. 
you know, live up to what you were, you know, claiming are now your newfound values. And yet, even in a scenario where they had complete control, it was just so poorly handled. Well, I think people forget about the importance of internal communications and how, you know, they may be doing these activities at the corporate level and forget to truly explain it all the way down to the people on the front line and not only just tell them what's going on, but why it's important and how it affects the company and how it should affect the consumers and what the main goal of it is. Right. And and that's, that's an important part of it, too, because I think that there's... Uh, you know, if, if, if folks aren't, aren't, um, don't understand in the front lines, those are more often than not your touch point with your customer. And that's mm-hmm. some of your most important, um, touch points with, you know, s- some of the most important interactions with, uh, with your brand is with those customers. So they need to be able to represent those mm-hmm. core values. Um, one thing I wanted to, to kind of ask about, um, and Elizabeth, you alluded to it a bit earlier was, um, you know, the, the misalignment that, that could happen. Is there a scenario or is this, could this possibly be a result, and we use the United example or even the Wells Fargo example, um, could that be a result of, of not clearly um, defining and, 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 you know, disseminating this internal communication process um, ahead of time? Could these issues that these guys have been having um, – I don't want to say be solved before they start, but could they be a result of that of that lack of structure or that lack of communication? Yeah, there's there's clearly a lack of training. There's clearly a lack of communications. There's clearly a lack of practice, right? So one of our clients deals with, uh, I mean, their whole business is crisis response. So and they, you know, it's an end. It's an organization that was formed after um, the BP spill in the Gulf, right? And so, by law now, the oil and gas service companies have to have these crisis response teams in place to deal with the disasters, to keep them from getting worse. So they actually practice crisis, you know, on a regular basis. And I think that's a great strategy for a lot of organizations to do in terms of employee training, in terms of employee communications, is to run these kind of fire drills and, and you know, role play. And we do it in sales processes, right, when we're teaching a salesperson. You know, we do it in customer service in some cases, you know, but most organizations forget that this is like a really easy exercise that costs, doesn't have to cost a lot of money or time, but could save them hundreds and millions in reputation and damage and delays and lost contracts and whatnot. So, yeah. And on the flip side of just preparing for crisis communications, there's the reinforcement and um, proactive positive activities that you can um, perform all along the way. Like, you know, United is fly the, fly the friendly skies. So what if all along for years they had been reinforcing and doing internal campaigns about what does it mean to fry, fly the friendly skies? <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes so, you think it was really more an ad campaign exactly. than it, what it was a true, uh, you know, a, a true cultural. And so, you know, did they have activities where, you know, the people on the front lines gave tips or maybe had peer recognition for, you know, spotting people that were, went above and beyond in terms of helping. Yeah, were there incentive employee programs, right? right. To, yeah, exactly. So, well, did that they goes have... back to brand loyalty. You know, yeah. you'd mentioned that before, that if you're creating that brand loyalty, I'm going to give you a whole lot more leeway to mess up than um, if you haven't been managing that, you know, before. Because right. I'm just going to, I have a trust and you have a bank account with me. Yeah, think, think of it as like, you know, uh, credits or chips, right? You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're racking up chips through that positive 
brand loyalty process over the years so that when it comes time to have to spend a few, you still got some left in the bank. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and, and, you know, we kind of, we talked about it a little earlier, and I think we just mentioned it here as well, is that um, people are going to make mistakes. Brands are going to make mistakes. This is something I think Jonathan mentioned. Um, and, and, our, you know, we understand that as humans, there's, there's an empathetic, hey, you know, you're going to make a mistake, but it's, it's not, my, my dad actually used to always tell me, it's not the mistake that happens, it's how you respond to the mistake. Right. That really shows your character. So that speaks to an opportunity, you know, and it, it can go one of two ways. Um, what kind of opportunities can come out of a, a crisis situation? What, um, you know, what, what positive, if any, can come out of that, whether it be internal or external? Well, I, I think one of them is that um, it gives you an opportunity to reinforce that service promise. You know, it's like, okay, this happened, but because we have this brand and we have this, this is this is what we're going to do. So it strengthens it because it's like we actually live, um, we walk our talk, we live to what we believe. Yeah, and I think that you know, take a take a crisis, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be their failure, right? So it can be the hurricanes, like recently, you know, uh, across Houston and, and Miami and British Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico, right? These are all crises. And, and corporations, some corporations did a really good job of rising to the opportunity. Uh, people like Mattress Mac, Gallery Furniture, you know, phenomenal efforts, right? And then there were some that were just sort of like, they, they capitalized on it, but in the wrong way. They, they, they used it as a sales trick or gimmick, you know, the car deal, and a number of the car dealerships were running sort of, you know, employee pricing plus rebates. So we, we had a number of friends that kind of came in that were hit, lost their cars, went into dealership and said, okay, give me, give me your employee pricing, give me your decent. And instead the car dealership started trying to negotiate with them. Well, what do you want to pay? And they're like, that wasn't what I walked in the door for. Right. And so now my friends are trashing those dealerships online, you know, for their, for their false advertising, if you will, their false claim around this opportunities there. So I think, so it creates opportunity to do goodwill, even when it's not your mistake in the crisis. Yeah, a lot of times, I mean, there's the impact, positive or negative, on the company that actually has the issue. But then there's lots of opportunity for other competitors, other, you know, strategic or um, close complementary businesses to really capitalize on it and rise to the surface and create opportunity for themselves in a way that they can respond you know, in addition to just the issue at hand. Right. So it doesn't even have, like Jonathan mentioned, doesn't have to be a crisis, even within that affects directly your own business. Because I think you can, you know, if let's say, you know, we're using the example of United um, or, yeah, you know, a a company like Southwest or, you know, um, one one of their competitors, JetBlue, whoever it may be, can see that and either use it as an internal, hey, guys, this is, you know, we want to make sure we have all our ducks in a row. Let's make sure... Uh, we have a plan in place in case something like this were to ever happen, um, or to say, hey, you know, to run maybe it's ad campaigns saying, hey, look, we're not going to treat you, you know, overtly or. You right. Know. I mean, United had an issue. Um, you know, they seem to have now a, a bumpy track record of, of flying the friendly skies. <laughs> you go back to like 2009 when they they broke a guy's uh, guitar, a you know, tailor-made guitar, and. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't really a super famous singer or songwriter because you'd imagine if they had, they would have instantly fixed it, right? So, but, you know, he's just your average guy and they won't, they won't, you know, fix his, they won't replace this $3,500 Taylor guitar. So, so Taylor takes advantage of it. They, they dive into the limelight. They offer to give the guy a guitar, right? But as a result of, of the, you know, how poorly he was treated by United, you know, he, in a matter of two hours, he cranks out a little jingle, a song about how poorly it was United. And it has over a half a million views 
on YouTube in a matter of hours and ultimately several million views. And I think that brands have to realize the power of social media in today's world that we live in, you know, through all the many different platforms that you can really trash somebody. Um, your laundry gets aired. Information spreads fast yeah, these days. You know, you have to live up to your, your promise with every fiber of your being through the way your contracts are, are, are worded and negotiated, through the way your, your product is fabricated and controlled and deli- the speed of your delivery, the way you answer phones, the way, you know, the promises made on your website. And I think that, you know, that's, that's the secret, I think, to branding is, is really understanding that the dots and how they are connected to the organizations these days and then realizing the impacts of those touch points. I'm glad you mentioned the social media aspect of things because, um, you know, sometimes we have clients that, you know, they ask us, hey, you know, show us the value of social media. Why why do we need to be on social media? What what are, you know, its uses? I think that using social in that in that instance, for example, I mean, social can be a really good listening tool. You know, like you said, this guy in a matter of hours makes a jingle, you know, that no, the next day, maybe there's a story run about this, but really where it originates is you see, you know, you see it on YouTube or whatever the case may be. Um, and it allows you to react or act quickly um, and understand what's going out in the marketplace. So Yeah, brands that, I think, to your point, brands don't do a good job often of monitoring their brand in the social marketplace, Social monitoring right? is huge. Using technology to benchmark, uh, you know, the consumer confidence in the brand through their communications on and offline, positive and negative trends that are happening, or even, to, for that matter, to identify, you know, early uh, manufacturer defects, right? So, uh, you know, they, long before they internally find it, the consumer may find it for them. And they have a chance to jump on it before it spreads even faster, or they can just wait till there's enough people out there in a lawsuit pending, <laughs> and and then they're forced to do it, you know, right? At, well, at, a, at a much higher cost. Yeah, and in in those cases where you have, I mean, uh, you, you can have a competitor who sees that, catches on to that, and then you know, can can run a you know throw a bunch of ad dollars saying, hey, look, these this is, you know, without saying it specifically, this is the defect they're having, and this is why our product's superior. It's a service, but um, you, you look at Uber right now. Uber is going through a lot of different, uh, you know, little different reports and things like that. Lyft has, has penetrated the market. I mean, everywhere you look, you see uh, new advertisements, big ad spins, you know, sure. with big name guys. And so they're, they're obviously monitoring the situation sensing a vulnerability because Uber lacked some sort of crisis communication plan um, and, and trying to capitalize on that. So Yeah, I mean, you look at the, 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 you know, the, the crisis going on with the airlines uh, right now, you were talking about, it, but just in the contract negotiations, you know, with uh, U.S. Airbus, Canada Air, guys like that. So, I mean, they instantly launched, you know, Canadian Air instantly launched like a, a you know, for, for the Canadian market, they instantly launched a big, you know, media campaign. So and that's just dealing with they're just dealing with trade wars right now, you know the brands are having to manage themselves in the midst of contract trade negotiations. Yeah, it's the normal course of business. It's not uh, an outside you know act of God. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, it's it's quite political <laughs> in in the truest sense. But it's amazing, you know, that, that the politics and the brand now are, are are so intermixed. And I think one of the things you know, based on social media, that business to consumers have a tendency to be more aware of all those channels. Um, But what we find with some of our clients that are business to business, they really um, have not thought those things through. And the perception is, you know, we can do a press release or, you know, we can 
you know, do whatever, but they don't really pay attention as much to the immediacy that's needed. And you know, look at Macondo, and it took um, all the companies involved almost 24 hours to respond. Well, they couldn't, you know, that couldn't happen now. And so in their crisis communication plan, they need to be thinking through all of those different channels and be ready for those. And it's um, a little bit harder, I think, because the social media channels are used so differently, they don't think about that as well, much. And now I think what you say and do is used in the lawsuits, right? The severity of the lawsuit. Um, you look at the lawsuits that crop up after some of those types of crises, and it's how you handle, how you responded is used in your favor to uh, lower your judgments, you know, mitigate some of those losses, or even, you know, uh, force a judgment in your hands, you know, it's used against you in that process. It's also, you talked about, you know, what are some of the values of these, of these products and managing brands is re- recruiting and retention, right? So people, you know, you're going to, if you have a, a great brand that's doing uh, positive community efforts, I want to work for that company. You know, oh, that'd be a great job. I might even work, I might even accept a job at a lower, at a lower rate for organization. You, you might find that, you know, in my opinion, brands that have amazing, uh, you know, amazing, uh, amazing reputations and uh, don't often pay the most, have to pay the most to get the best talent because people just want to be associated w- in their career path with the organization and they're willing to take pay cuts or they're willing to take a few less perks or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's the value, right? That's yeah. that's the value of a strong brand is that people will pay more or in this case take less to come, you know, be, be a part, part of, of your, be your organization. That, yeah, associated with that cause or the good that they're doing, whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, leveraging the, the cause marketing, the goodwill, the crisis response, I mean, it has a huge financial impact uh, to the bottom line, you yeah. know, when properly handled. And, and Leslie, I'm glad you, you mentioned, you know, you can't wait 24 hours because, you know, for example, the, the public is, is starving for information. They want to know what's going on. So, you know, and, and silence is um, you know, not as bad as saying the wrong thing, but it's, it's, it's akin to saying the wrong thing. And then also, so you have to, and then also later on, it, it could be litigated, obviously, there's going to be lawsuits. So it speaks to the, the, the necessity of having a plan with when these happen. So what happens, you know, we want to make sure we're out in front of it by, you know, in, in an hour, we want to make sure we're the first person to put something out about it. We don't want someone else crafting our brand message, right? Um, and But we want to be thoughtful about it because we know that this is impactful. You can't be just willy-nilly with yeah. the way that you're We responding. like to tell people, you know, that the conversation is happening with or without you. You might as well jump in and influence it, right? Help, sure. help to manage the conversation. Uh, you can't necessarily control the conversation, but you can help, you know, help to manage, help steer it, help, help influence. And so, you know, that that's going to that's gonna happen internally. It's going to happen externally. Um, and so, you know, that's... The, to Elizabeth's point early on about you know internal communications, the importance of it, and you have to be quick, just as quick to respond to the employees and tell them what you're doing, you know, to put out whatever the fire might be, right? Right, because they, I mean, look, whether we like it or not, there's rogue employees out there that are going to jump on social media, and I just heard this from my director, and I did, and and it, they could, you know, connect their own dots, so to speak. Um, if you you kind of cut that off of the past, if you bring them into the fold and say, "Hey, this is how we're talking about this. This is what's going on," being transparent but also being strategic about yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I always akin akin to sort of stage fright for most people. Like the the fear of getting on stage is actually greater than when they're on stage. So in the absence of communications, people will make stuff up in their own heads, and it will fill that void, and it will be, likely be worse or not what you want. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> So, uh, so we've, we've done a really good job of co- covering this topic pretty thoroughly, I think. But um, one thing I'd, I'd like to do, if, if we can, is 
are there any um, are there any like measures or tips maybe that we recommend taking? Um, you know, just as brands are thinking about their crisis communication plans, what's maybe one big thing? You know, we could probably talk for a while on this, but what's one big thing to really consider um, as you're planning for your crisis communication plan? Have a plan. <laughs> Be proactive. <laughs> Make sure it's there. <laughs> and, and continually reinforce the brand. Well, I think it's always revisiting, too. It's it's to make, you know, back to the point, it's to make sure that you have all your touch points covered. You know, where are all the places that information could come out? Um, how do we manage each one of those? What is the timing of that? Who's responsible for it? Go, you know, back to your plan. But it needs to be very specific. And a lot of people put that in place and then not revisit it until something happens. Yeah. So it's I, really it might be outdated. I, I was going to say that's key. It's locked in a drawer somewhere and it's gotten dusty and nobody realizes that it's not even relevant any longer. Oh, yeah, we did that three years ago. And we forgot about and Twitter. You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 We did it before the social Twitter's media was around. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's frequently, you know, and, and people's, people don't think about it. And I think the other thing is to think about all the, the different types of scenarios, right? Scenarios that you cause versus scenarios that other people cause. And, and I think part of the crisis plan should be a positive, you know, like where are the opportunities we can capitalize? What's the what's the crisis plan for when our competitors are failing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? That, what's the op- we'll call that the opportunity plan, you know, <laughs> you know, in that regard. But th- people don't think I think broad enough around the value of the brand and how they can leverage it and throughout their entire organization, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah, and I like what you mentioned. Mine, mine would probably be to to really consider. I mean, it's you're not going to be able to account for every single thing that could possibly happen. But the things that are foreseeable are, are you know, like how often do we sit there and we see these, uh, you know, these reports on the news and people are scrambling and you kind of think to yourself, we, duh, that's going to happen to X company or whatever. Like eventually these things right. are going to are going to creep up somehow. Well, and I think I think, you know, uh, one of the most powerful tools that an organization has at their discretion tips is obviously is a SWOT, do a SWOT analysis, right? And so, um, you know, you have to look at your strengths and your opportunities. You know, those are kind of in the, in the, in the pro box, and your weaknesses and your threats are kind of in the con boxes, right, for that process. And, and, and so when you think about just your basic SWOT analysis of your product, of your service, of your, your, your market position, whatever it might be, your ability for think, disruption, regulatory compliance, what's going to happen, you know, if the government changes their policy on this or what's going to happen if there's a new technology that suddenly makes you obsolete? Um, what's going to happen if you have a, you know, a product or service failure, right? If you have a, you know, a cultural crisis in the, in the case of, you know, what we've seen so much in the news now with um, sexual harassment for organizations, right? Is it the individual or is it the brand? Is the brand stronger than the individual? Is the individual going to take the brand down vice versa? Right. So I think thinking through those those dimensions of your SWOT analysis, I think is going to be very helpful for an organization. Excellent. Well, guys, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, like I said, I think we've covered it pretty, pretty thoroughly here today. Um, thanks for your time. We really appreciate it. Um, and we'll get you out of here. So thanks. Thanks. Thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Solving for B podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. You can also check out BrandExtract.com for more insights on the business of branding and marketing. And thanks again for tuning in to Solving for B with Brand Extract.